0: Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses job ja. Big shout out to Q Ward, who is out of town at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, for a funeral, um, COVID-19 is really... Hopefully, you all are still taking precautions and uh, making sure you're getting that vaccination. Um, but around here, of course, we have to continue to push for equality for, for all of us. Um, and so we are here today to do just that today's show i'm joined by our arizona members uh nydia chad and Asar. yo hello hello peace peace that's Asar, um <laughs> and we're going to talk about something that we've talked about on the show before um but like with many things um it's an ongoing battle unfortunately uh it's, it's also at times a struggle, but it's by having these conversations and by informing listeners like you that we're able to um, coordinate our efforts and really help create the world that we all want to live in, a world that's more equitable and more fair and that is more tolerant of all of us and fosters an environment where we're able to be better brothers and sisters to each other on this planet. Um but for those who ha- have not uh been made privy to the episodes that we've done um that were dedicated to um ensuring that the marijuana legislation um the the social equity components written into the to the legislation um with re- respect to the marijuana um legalization um has been implemented uh accurately and and equitably um i want to give you just a little bit about what we've talked about and then a little bit of history so i'll start there with the history and you guys feel free to jump in at any point in time if i miss anything or you know of course if i misspeak because i don't know everything but you know more recently of course i've had to revisit some things that i've known for some time um This country has a very strange relationship with quote-unquote drugs. Um, And in recent years, um, we found out that the criminalization of drugs, um, in particular marijuana, began during the Vietnam era. That's when drugs really started to, uh, you know, kind of become a, a legal issue that required police enforcement and so forth. Um, and I believe the exact quote was that by criminalizing marijuana, the government was able to disrupt the hippie movement and the black power movement, which was in place at the time during the 60s. Yeah. Um, and so by criminalizing these... Natural, uh, God given um, plants um, and the consumption of them, and by selectively enforcing uh, the laws, um, they were able to target and imprison and wreak havoc on black and brown communities in this country. Um, and that has continued up until recent times. And so The huge amount of um, mass incarceration rates and uh, the disproportionate amount of black and brown individuals who were imprisoned and then introduced into the prison industrial complex and introduced into the the criminal justice system, Um, a large portion of those people were um, introduced into that system and then become victims of that system and the cycles that, you know, it's very easy to get uh, trapped in as a result of marijuana offenses, which, at least in Arizona, are now legal. Mm -hmm. But that... The fact that it's now legal doesn't erase the harm that was done to these communities on purpose by our government.
1: Yes. Targeted.
0: Exactly. Um, Now because it's because it's civic cipher and because the story is deeper than that, I do want to mention this this episode, of course, will not be about that. But I do want to mention this is the same government, the United States government, that um, also um, introduced crack into mm-hmm. black neighborhoods specifically in southern california i'm from one of those neighborhoods um obviously phoenix is my home but i was born in compton california and my family right exactly yeah yeah. and my family was um very much affected by those same decisions made by the government and so you know i opened the show saying you know please get vaccinated covid19 is real and i stand by that but I want you to also know that I do understand any apprehension when it comes to trusting the government because this is the same government in my 38 years that I've seen lie to and deliberately disrupt communities knowing full well what they were doing and that there was no real criminal nature behind any of the activities. Um, If anything, it was a health issue, not a criminal issue. And that's all I'll say about everything non-marijuana related. Okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I had to get that off. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, here we are. Um state of Arizona has um, passed uh, a law that allows marijuana to be consumed recreationally, which is awesome because... I, while I don't partake and have never partaken in any marijuana or any drug or I've never drank alcohol even um I do recognize that the criminalization of that has really um affected people's lives in in ways that are absolutely irreparable absolutely um I've been in cars with friends who might have something on them and just knowing that if and when something happens that we're all going down together because of you know we, we obviously have a, a, a policing problem um in this country as well um and uh, again that's a bit beyond the scope of yeah. what we're going to talk about here today but i think they all go together i think it does um and so getting this to be decriminalized getting marijuana uh, to be decriminalized certainly is a step in the right direction but again that in and of itself does very little to right the wrongs and to correct the injustices that have been deeply entrenched into the black and brown communities, the families that have been disrupted, the the cycles that have begun as a result of this. Um, And what we're doing today, this meeting, is to discuss what's happening behind the scenes that you, the listener, may not be aware of, um, hopefully I'm educated as well um, in terms of things I might not be aware of um, and uh, figure out ways to create equitable outcomes from this legalization of the mar- of marijuana and to ensure that corrupt individuals or individuals who would deliberately try to change the narrative or change really the funds the source or the 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 um recipients of the funds um are not the only people speaking about this um we we want to be able to determine what social equity looks like we want to make sure that we stick around until it's implemented and we are able to see it come into its full manifestation and and see a world where um the legalization of this of marijuana is now correcting the injustices that have happened over the past we'll call it 50 years in this country Mm -hmm. and and going back even further if you want to do the research and so (laughs) right going all the way back to the 20s sure sure (laughs) Uh, yeah 1920s And, and so and so um let's do a brief introduction of everyone. Um, now that you know why we're here, um, let's find out why all of, all of us are here in the studio. So Nidia, why don't you go first?
1: Hello everyone, wherever you may be. I hope you're well. I hope you're taking care of yourselves and each other. Um, I'm really grateful to be in this room with this group of gentlemen, um, sharing space and time because right now what's happening is we are witnessing history on so many different fronts and we have a short window of time to have an impact and um i've been in this industry quite a few years touching the plant building with the plant and when prop 207 took place i was just thinking wow that's epic right people not in jail anymore we're going to start selling weed like I can pick it up in a 7-Eleven like if I'm going to go pick up a Slurpee, walk in and walk out it's amazing Um, and the reason you know, I've seen the industry and I I personally I'm Latina and I'm queer and I'm loud I've seen (laughs) (laughs) injustice you know, I've seen the injustices in life as it is um, I left corporate America and then jumped into cannabis head on and I've been in the rooms of big brands, little brands across country and I've seen how inequitable this industry is and the reason I'm here today is because that same inequity is resonating throughout the state and there's so much happening that We want to share with everyone because if we don't do something now, the community loses. Right.
2: Yeah, they close the books on it. That's
1: right. Exactly. Um, So that's my part. Um, I was trying to ring on doors, trying to ring the alarms with everyone like, hey, why is nobody talking about social equity? Why is nobody upset about what's happening? You know, it's this program promised to keep people out of jail. This program. Promise to promote and to implement programs that to help acknowledge the harm done to disproportionately affected communities across the state. Yet we still have people in jail for things that you and I can go into that, aka cannabis seven eleven, right. walk out. Yep. Right. And where's where's all the funding? Where's this money going to? Right. So. I, I reached out, you know, to Asar and to Chad. We had just mutual synergy. Uh, we've been battling this now for quite a few months. Uh, my battle has been since 2017, trying to ring the alarm. And when I, you know, we found one another, I was just like, hey, social equity, let's talk about it. And we've just been pounding the pavement and trying to bring more attention to it. And, you know, it, this law ha- has been written it's inequitable since it's offset since it's been written and we demand better
2: absolutely mm-hmm. chad yeah so i'm uh, i'm chad diggs i'm from uh the region, i grew up in the maryville area here in phoenix um the reason why i'm here is because you know with proposition 207 they spoke about the social equity opportunity program and uh, they mentioned that it was for disproportionately uh, individuals that was impacted by the war on drugs, and I felt like it spoke to me, and that something was actually happening. Um, not understanding legislation or how laws are passed, I figured that's it, right? They write the they write the law, we vote on it, and then something miraculous is going to happen. Uh, the thing is, is that the DHS is tasked to write these rules, and they can come up with the rules however they may, right? They, and it's not unknown that there are other parties that has the DHS's ear to make this so that it benefits them and not the social equity. Who's DHS? The Department of Human Resources, or the Department of Health Services, right? Arizona DHS. Yeah, Arizona DHS. So when I started looking more into this, I researched other states, California, Chicago, um, Michigan, and all these other places that I found had put these Done the same thing, and I realized that a lot of the people that came into the social equity program either first it's been at least four years and they still haven't implemented it yet, Uh, people are still waiting on their license, or they put it out and it just didn't work. And all those all those individuals that did get their license were taken over by big corporations, the same people that we were trying to move out of it and allow these individuals to be entrepreneurs and create wealth for their families and their communities. Um, so what I learned is that you have to be on the front end of it, right? Before DHS starts writing these laws, you can have a voice. Um, and if you're going to, if, if you feel like your social equity, right, let's take it out of the, the scope of this is for people just applying for a license so they can get rich. Right. Uh, this is, this is not that, um, this is something that where it's the beginning of writing wrongs. This is what it's about. Um, you know, I mentioned where I grew up at. I've seen a lot like, like, uh, Rams is here and a mm-hmm. um, my family. I'm from, I originally from, uh, California myself, uh, San Fernando Valley. That's where I was born. That's where my family was raised. And, um, I saw the impact. I was born in what we call the dope era. You know, 1984 was my birth. I grew up in the nineties. Uh, so I seen many struggle with drug abuse, I've seen uh, me, myself, just growing up in the neighborhood, the amount of times that I was stopped over other individuals. Uh, so really, you know, to make it short, you know, we'll dive into some of this more, but that's the reason why I'm here. I'm, I'm really a part of what the social equity program is, and I know there's others out there, and we need to lend our voices out there, talk about it, you know, and uh, let's make it right. Let's be the first state to actually do the right thing. That's right. I like that. I'm sorry.
3: he's so... Uh, My name is Asar Uh, I'm here because I'm actually a cannabis professional I've been in this industry for about 8 years I've worked in a number of different dispensaries And for a number of different businesses Inside of the cannabis uh, industry And one of the things that I've been able to Understand the most about this industry Is that the same ceilings The same blocks and the same gatekeepers Are the same individuals in this industry As almost every other experience that we've had as people black brown and indigenous people um i also am from uh california i grew up in carson right next to compton you know so i understand when you talk about them not only you know dropping the drugs off in our community but also dropping guns off in our communities you know what i mean doing all types of things in order to hamstring us from being able to rebuild and trust each other uh and build with each other as well as allowing that Economic cycle of us being able to Build businesses and then allowing those Dollars to recycle it cycle into our Community so that we can actually develop A foothold to have economic power For ourselves Um, In that process In the eight years as I've been in This industry I got into this industry because my Grandmother got sick with the rare type of Blood cancer and as a treatment I recommended cannabis Um, As That recommendation goes through and I'm seeing the benefits that it has for her. I dived headfirst. So I'm a, I'm a patient care expert. I'm a cannabis patient care expert. I've been in a class. I got certifications. And I have been I just have the experience. Um, because of that, I can tell you, all the dispensaries I've worked in, I'm always the most knowledgeable individual. Good. But when you deal with the individuals who actually get the positions, who are able to call shots, and individuals who are in positions of power, they don't come from this industry. They don't come from the communities who are disproportionately affected by that most of these individuals come from retail they come from construction they come from some other ancillary business or some sort of peripheral business that has nothing to do with cannabis specifically because they have resources in order to be able to gouge these communities of all their money and opportunities so that's one issue the other issue is is that i see how it affects the patients because as much as we want to talk about hemp and cannabis as a drug it's a medicine and as a medicine, it has properties that help people deal with their issues physically, mentally and spiritually. Okay? And I, I don't know how you feel about your your religious process, but it has more to do with how you feel about yourself yep. and how you can see yourself as well as deal with the healing aspects of what the actual cannabis does for you. And if you cannot get high quality medicine, you can turn a situation that should have been good into something that should have been really that turns out to be really bad. And I see that too often in this industry. And it's because the individuals who are in control of the industry do not care. I was on the front lines when 207 was being put before the actual patients. And they were coming into my dispensaries talking about, hey, aren't you really glad that 207, everything is gonna be legal? And I'm saying, <clears throat> have, you read, have you read the legislation? Do you understand where the money is going? Do you understand who's going to be in control of it? Um, and I had to point—I had to point out businesses. It's like we have legislation that was written by two major corporations. You see what I'm saying? A lot of this stuff that they're putting into words are being put into words by corporations, not humans, not people who are on the front lines, not people who use or people who deal with people who use the product, but by people who want to make money. And so the law leaf, <clears throat> yeah or yeah Careleaf is one of them allegedly allegedly, allegedly. I, don't, I don't know them so I can say that. you name. know I mean but they're part of a coalition of corporations who don't actually have any experience with the product experience in the industry and it puts the patients in a bad way because they can't get the proper medicine they don't hire the people that will be able to interact with people to be able to get them the proper medicine so they can get the relief that they need so that they can go about living their lives in a In a proper manner So I'm here to make sure That those voices are heard That those people are heard Who want better From their communities That want better From these businesses And they want to make sure That the people That are providing them Their medicine Are from their communities
0: I have a question Sure So My understanding is that The As a part of this proposition Mm -hmm. The language was written So that the funds or some of the funds or some of the licenses or something like this mm. would go to restore the communities just to, to whatever degree possible that have been disproportionately affected by that is it the case that you're telling me that that is no longer true let's let's talk about it yeah
1: yeah so so look when, when Prop 207 was written, I remember being in the trenches, being in the, you know, I remember Mike Weissner, and I, he's a very well-known advocate in the industry who had to be in the middle of all sides, you know, yeah. and when this proposition was being written, there was a lot of turmoil because people either didn't agree on it. Or some people were like, for it. And in the end, there was victory in how they placed a specific... um, I actually want to read from it. Sure. Um, They put a social equity program... uh, So, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. But there was a part specifically in Prop 207 that said, why is this being done? And it was to promote the ownership, a social equity ownership program to promote the ownership and operation of marijuana establishments and marijuana testing facilities by individuals from communities disproportionately impacted by the enforcement of previous marijuana laws. That's huge. Yeah, sounds good. It took, well, I mean, it sounds good. You think it would be easy, like common sense. This is why shouldn't it be in there? But that was a battle to get that part. In the prop yes. it it was a long battle
3: serious battle
1: and when it finally got on there then people were able to kind of be like okay i can get with this now because before that wasn't in there hmm. then we're not even getting to the bad parts of it so the funding piece is another area where when people were talking about okay well what does this prop do you started seeing people all over the state, right? You'd see the AZ Normal, which helped uh, promote it. There was a lot of uh, uh, activists around the city. Hey, sign this, sign this voter initiative! Initiative, let's get some signatures. Let's bring recreational cannabis to the state. And they were popping up all over. And it was the promise of we need to keep people out of jail because prior to Prop 207, every hour in the state of Arizona, you had 40 people arrested. Or minor possession of cannabis and that was the promise let's keep people out of jail and let's recognize social equity and the tax program we should be able to reinvest that into our communities it is what is today
3: 26. april what? saturday
1: saturday 26th
0: it's 26 oh no not at all it's yeah. saturday <laughs> You got the oh, first, ahead of I mean, first. Ahead of okay ahead of
1: so it's saturday the first the i didn't even know but well that's that's nah, another that's day right. but anyways <laughs> to this day you still have people sitting in jail this law was passed in november 2020 why are people still sitting in jail where is the social justice there now the funding piece, we can break it down. You have a good chunk of this money. Um, this, uh, you got that part. Yeah. So you have the Safe and Smart Act, the the Smart and Safe Act. Essentially, what it does, you got 33 percent going to community colleges and districts. Which, hey, I'm all for community colleges. You know, it's not going to universities that are for profit. All right, cool. But then you have 31.4% to municipal police departments, fire departments, and that's a huge chunk. 25.4% to the Arizona Highway for enforcement of impairment. That's over 50% that's right. to groups who have caused harm, who have repurposed harm, and why how is that or I should say, how is that repairing and acknowledging the harm from the failed war on drugs? Yeah.
0: So, so let's uh, real quick, real quick. So I see how there is a a uh, a philosophical or there could be at least a philosophical difference of opinions with respect to what social equity means, which is why an organization like our Arizona is so important. And I do wanna to touch on that a bit more, but um real quick if you're just tuning in to Civic Cypher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja, and our guests today are Nidia, Chad, and Asar from Our Arizona, and we're discussing the social equity programs. And before we pause, Chad, you were going to say something.
2: Yeah, so, so like, you know, I'm going to pick up where Nidia left off. If you have half of the, half of, and what we're talking about is the distribution of the actual tax. So, this 16% tax and then the cost that is associated with getting your license, this money is going to go to, basically the police and the fire department to enforce this on this on basically so if you get pulled over some of the things that we've always had to deal with is hey i smell something in the car are you impaired Mm -hmm. so say you 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 they smell something in the car then all of a sudden now you're getting duis they're gonna they're gonna try to figure out a way to now heavily enforce because now they have more task force out there to pull people over. And so this is the type of games that has always been played. And as far as the social equity, there's a one time $2 million distribution that's supposed to go out to assist this program. Everything else is on the hands of those applicants who actually received those applications on how they would like to give back to their communities. Um, So there isn't anything really written to take care of the communities to help these applicants actually uh, get what they need in order to start a business. You know, I don't uh, you know, I've I've been I've been in the legacy market for a long time. And but I know nothing on how to establish a business. I wasn't taught that I didn't. I I don't know how to get investors, how to write a business plan correctly. Good contracts. Yeah, good contracts. How not to get screwed out of a situation, right? Um, So these are the type of things that we want to be able to build within this program so people can have a resource to go to so that they can be able to build their business plan, put their thoughts on paper. Um, And so... So I have a question.
0: Mm-hmm. Who is the person that decides what social equity means in terms of the recompense or rather the um, reinvestment into black and brown communities? Who, who's the person that's deciding that? And how is it that we appeal to this person to do you mean what's currently? right? Yes.
1: So right now, the Arizona... Legislative is writing bills. There are six cannabis bills that are quietly moving through the House and the Senate, mm. and they're the gatekeepers in the sense of if you don't really know about it right now, it, it
0: comes to floor, gets voted on, and passed right under it. your nose. Exactly. Right. So
2: you are basically the people of Arizona. That's right.
1: They're in session right now
0: so what these people are doing is shaping not only their world but what is conceivably our world absolutely
3: they're exactly. telling you
1: chad Asar, mm-hmm. myself our brothers and sisters yes our indigenous brothers and sisters yes. our latinx brothers and sisters yes. and our black african-american brothers and sisters what our needs are
0: how about that and they're telling us that we need more police that's right yep. And there's uh, no one black in that room. I'm assuming. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Very
2: little, (laughs) very little. No, no, no. no. Yeah, let's let's put it like this. I mean, we had a meeting and Mm. we sat down uh, with a few of these players. And the first thing that uh, came up was, uh, this is not about. I don't want to see anything that has to do with race. I I am a white man who's my father left me. I grew up in a poor. Uh, oh, one of, yeah, yeah, exactly. one of those. Yeah, exactly. I grew up in a poor area and um, you know, I was able to make it. And I, I, boot, said, I <laughs> said I bootstrapped yeah, myself. I bootstrapped myself. So I said, look, I you, you didn't. you obviously didn't read the bill because we're not talking about Hand people up. being poor. Yeah. And and that's not this social. It says social equity for people who were disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And I shared with them my experiences of being pulled over, actually getting getting a a uh, possession charge and how that possession charge impacted my career. How I had to fight to get my way back to the top. How I wasn't able to apply for certain uh, places of residence because I had this on my record. How That's I lost right. a great job. Uh, went to the went to the interview. Applied. loved me. Love my experience. Mm-hmm. But because of the regulations that a lot of these companies have, if any drug crimes, and this was an actual, this was a pharmaceutical company. Uh, so they saw that and they said, "Hey, Jeff, Ch- sorry, we can't hire you." That was going to change me and my family's life. You know yep. what I mean? So this is what I—that's what I explained to him. And he, his words were, "Oh, well, I've been arrested nine times for marijuana. Ten times. Ten. ten. Times. It was ten. Ten, ten times. times.
1: And we had an ally in the room. Thank you, because having intersectionality in these movements is pivotal. We have to have unity across the board, and." I am thankful for that white, powerful woman who used her privilege to say, hey, and here you are, House Representative, on the other end, sitting there with 10 marijuana convictions. That's what
3: I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't be out walking
1: at three. But we're out over here. But now we're on the other side. Mm -hmm. And Chad literally was looking at this man in his eyes. And just like how
0: so the elected representative this person was elected to represent the interest of the people said he didn't want to hear anything about race that's right as though it was a myth or something
2: exactly you know what i'm gonna
0: say something just because this is the space for it um you know we do have a lot of allies that listen to this show some of those allies are white we have people who maybe listen to the show Mm -hmm. because they disagree with everything that i say Mm -hmm. and q says but they need to know what we're saying
1: right that's right
0: right and so i want to speak to everyone and it is my opinion that white privilege is not necessarily being born with any advantage Mm. because you can be born and be poor, and your dad leave you, and blah, 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 on and on and on, right? Mm -hmm. You can be born and be white as a ghost, and all these things happen to you. But I believe that white privilege is being born without a disadvantage, without being born with no strike against you. And so the phrasing makes it seem like, well, I was born white, so I have all of this additional stuff in my life. And no, it's, it's very possible to be born with nothing and still have white privilege, because when you're born and you're not a white straight christian male who is in a healthy body um mm-hmm. you are born with at least one strike against you right um and it's going to make your go at life a bit more challenging and i think that by clearly defining what white privilege is it's perhaps a bit easier for folks to see it white, white folks specifically to see it and perhaps even become more comfortable with the idea that while in their minds it's true they weren't born with any advantage any privilege they weren't born in black skin they weren't born queer they weren't born you know um whatever whatever the case is whatever it is that your story is they were born and and they don't really have any strikes against them um you know so I, i i recall like you know a lot of like stoner movies um and, you know, stoner culture is kind of, it's its comical, it's funny. You know, we all get to laugh at it. Half-baked,
1: kind of. Right, right.
0: <laughs> but, you know, the way that it's often framed mm-hmm. is that when you think of a, a stoner movie, the person that it comes to mind is white, long-haired. You know cool dude kind of like yeah exactly chill it means no harm All right so if this guy's selling drugs or he's a stoner or you know smoking weed or whatever it's just ha 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 funny this guy's harmless he's not bothering a soul yeah. he's not going to get arrested and go to jail and get beat in the streets and have right. criminal charges and that'll follow him the rest of his life but throw a yeah, latino or anybody else or a, a black else. man or, then, or a black and woman then, and then i want to if you're listening to my voice i want you to challenge yourself and really find out does that person still get the same consideration? Is that person harmless or is that person a criminal in your mind? You know, is that person harmless and, you know, cool and, you know, surfered, what up, bro, you know, hanging out on the couch or is that person up to no good and, you know, some sort of societal deviant Yeah. and, um, you know, same people, same age, same, you know, partaking in the same substance but the way that the narrative has been sculpted around those two identities, I think, really illuminates what white privilege can be.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and
0: mm-hmm. it's, I think it's important to say that. And I, 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 if I knew the name of this representative you were talking about, I would say his name <laughs> on the radio because I like yeah. to do that.
2: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I want to kind of pick up on on a little bit of that when we were talking about you know the white privilege thing. Sure, you know, I'm a, I'm a I grew up with the name Chad, and that was by design. Mm. Mm-hmm. That was by design. Yeah. When I complained about my name because I didn't like it because it was too white, <laughs> you know, to be honest, my mom said, you know what? That was the design. If you were to, if you, I wanted to make sure if my son applied for a job or anything, the first thing that they would see is Chad. Mm-hmm. And they would be able to at least give you a chance and give you an interview. But if your name was Asar, mm. Jamal, you know, some of these Ramses. Ramses. Mm-hmm. Right? That's my actual name. these these they would they would take your resume son and they would probably just put it aside because they would automatically think that you were a black man because so that's what we talk about when we talk i don't think i don't i've never met a met a, a a caucasian a white whatever you want to call it in my life that said that their name was picked by design so that they can have a chance in this world and i think that's privilege exactly you don't have there's
0: certain things that you just don't need to consider they don't enter into your mind right exactly and and no matter what you are doing who you are what direction your life is pointed in there is somebody at the table quote unquote that represents your interest or whose opinion represents your worldview and that is not as often the case when you are a queer Latinx woman,
1: masculine and tall. Yeah, like I go. can't yeah. unlook the way that I look. Neither can mm-hmm. y'all. Mm-hmm. So I it's like I like looking like this. I mm-hmm. love right. I love <laughs> yeah. my skin yeah, and I, right. it's like you know it takes time though. I feel like there's there's certain things I, I don't know for y'all but sure. it took me time to learn to love myself. Sure. And yeah. And it took me time to love my imperfections mm-hmm. and to empower myself to say, "Hey, how can I empower my people now mm-hmm. knowing what yeah. I know?" So that conversation was so heavy in that room because we didn't we're not here like social equity scares these people yep it literally that's That's the word we said he said said, social equity scares can i cuss on here nope okay well i'm (laughs) glad i asked so (laughs) social equity scares the blank out of me and i was like why ask a question We're here to you ask for the community to come in, that's what we're trying to do. And social equity, when it comes down to it, everybody should start out with a toolbox, right? Everybody has certain jobs that they have to get done, but if you don't all have the same tools in that toolbox, then you have privilege. It doesn't matter what color of skin you are, Mm -hmm. but does it hurt you? Yes, it can, because you know what. When I drive down the street, I actually got pulled over by the cop the other day and looking the way that I look in my nice car, probably didn't think it was my car and pulled me over for something bogus. And I don't get discriminated against because of the zip code that I live in. It's because the way we look, the way we talk, the way we walk. Exactly. And our culture has been appropriated in cannabis. Oh my God.
2: Yes. Uh, Absolutely.
1: So now you want to been
2: appropriated in everything
1: rap but <laughs> i mean you don't even go down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole but yeah it's been it, it, i call this culture vulture oh yeah you know uh or vo- sorry my idea. vulture culture whatever anyways <laughs> yeah, Retro- v- culture, yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah. so see that's what happens when i don't smoke but <laughs> 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 but uh i i like to try to tell people that because in this journey myself i've had to humble myself i have privilege as a latina and i've recognized that because I'm a little bit lighter complected, I speak a certain way. So it's like, let's get the same toolbox for everybody. So now we can all lift each other up. This proposition, this law, what's going on, it's not about these 26 people individually. It's about what are you doing with that license for your community when you get it
0: okay Mm -hmm. so let's 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 start there okay Okay, there's two things that i want to ask you said these 26 people so let's explain to the listeners what the quote these 26 people unquote means so um the social equity part of this bill
3: allows for 26 licenses to be handed out to individuals who are disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, which would be black, brown, and Latinx individuals, mm-hmm. um, but since social equity has not truly been defined, we've had to fight specifically to get these particular amendments in to keep backdooring out of here. So, I'll give me let me give you an example. Sure. There's, a, there's a corporation uh, by the name of Harvest. They were busted for having a straw man or woman in the position of ownership, right? So, there was a lady who was on their payroll whose name they used to get the license. And I think it was in Ohio.
1: Yeah, there they was so there's a lot of uh, predatory practices is the word we're going to use. She didn't know she was the owner of her company. No, she
3: did not. She owned the company and she didn't even know she owned the company because they were just using her name without her license. consent. Yeah. But her name was not on the license. I, but she got she got the benefits from it, though. They got she the benefits did. from it.
0: So she was able to receive the license on behalf of the the corporation, and the corporation they got a was war- one that benefited from it, not the community. Exactly.
1: Correct. Okay. So the license was awarded, and the real ownership on that license read, not in that lady's name. Right. Got it. Okay. So when we say predatory practices, the reason why our Arizona got started is because we've been here. We've been here from when it was illegal to where it is now and it's like it has just been a whirlwind of different things that have been sweeping across the country it's a copy uh, it's a copy and paste what happened out in the bay what happened out in la what ha- was happening out in illinois
0: and we're not gonna let it happen here it's right
1: that, uh, that's why i implore you guys band together like there's so many things happening right now and we have an opportunity to speak up, empower our communities, get the funding to the different places. I mean, we have so many different things that we need help with. Okay, so let me, let me, let me boil this down. Yeah. Um, if I may. Go for it.
0: There are 26 licenses that are, have been set aside specifically to benefit black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. That have historically been harmed by the war on drugs mm-hmm. and the overcriminalization of marijuana. Correct. Correct. Yep. And those twenty-six licenses are at risk via legislation. Absolutely. Of being perverted Perfect. to benefit police. Yep. Yep. Perverted to benefit
1: highway enforcement.
0: That that sounds like mm-hmm. more police to me. Sure yeah, does yep. to me because they're gonna. And on and on, mm. instead of actually benefiting black and brown communities, after-school programs, uh, uh, expungement of criminal records, I right. see that here. Well, that is well that's another
1: whole thing in itself. So, so
0: let's talk about that in one second. But, yeah, so this is what we're dealing with. There's 26 licenses that could be conceivably placed all around Phoenix or all around Arizona mm-hmm. correct. in communities of color. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's what it was written for, but there are people... Who have been hired to represent you, the listener, who are actively working to change the language, or otherwise develop a different vantage point so that they can take those funds that are meant for your communities, for your schools, for your after-school programs, for your roads, for mm-hmm. whatever it is that your community needs, and basically protect their interest, which oftentimes looks like more policing.
1: Welcome to, now, How
0: can how can? the listeners of Civic cipher help our Arizona combat those efforts by those elected representatives do we have any names I yeah. love names I, I, we do if you don't want to say them I will say them I was just wait, know no where maybe. I live so, <laughs> so
1: we do and right now what you guys can do is we are trying to get together we are trying to get together and protest bring our voices together and demand change by amendment to this proposition demand change to the funding make it sustainable and equitable um russell rusty bowers is the house chair and right now he has a bill that is going through the through the house and he is the one who has the power to heal to acknowledge and repair the harm to do something for the first time be the first Arizona because you know what there's been so many programs out of this across the country who have gotten it wrong and had to get sued and had to get fight tooth and nail for equity but right now you have the chance. So email. You can call him. Um, Rusty Bowers. Yeah, his email is r bowers, at a z, l e g dot gov.
0: Okay, hang on one second because I want you to say that again. Um, recently, I had Diane Post up on the show. Um, she's a lawyer. She works very hard to protect the interest of disadvantaged peoples and communities Mm -hmm. she told me something I'll never forget she said once an elected representative receives 10 emails pieces of correspondence complaints, visits, whatever they have to respond Mm. so that means if there are 10 people in fact if you're in your car by yourself listening to our voices right now if you're at home, if you're at work, whatever it is you're doing And you're able to hear our voices, you can be one of those 10 people. Um, But imagine if it was 100. Mm -hmm. Imagine if it was 1,000. That's right. right. And that's really how we let the community um, write its own story. That's how we are able to be self determined. If If you know anyone who's been affected by, The criminalization of marijuana if you look around your neighborhoods and you see that if you feel like the world has been unfair to black and brown people you can email what's that email again
1: uh this email you caught me off
0: guard sorry about that i think it was r
1: bowers here we go you got r bowers so it's r b o w e r s at a z l e g dot gov if you would like to call him
0: yeah let's talk about it
1: Uh 602-926-3128 Say it again 602-926-3128 There There you go Now, the other thing too You can also call Governor Ducey Because when these bills Move through Right now, it is in The Mm -hmm. Rules Committee And if you all remember anything from Civic Class They hold the most power In government once they approve this budget and that can happen at any moment the community loses if they approve this prop these bills as is that is two million dollars in a one-time influx of funding how is that equitable for 26 licensees that's right not only that but for the communities Let's talk about the ecosystem Mm -hmm. of what cannabis does. Right. Not everybody wants to be a dispensary owner. Not everybody wants to run a store. Not everybody wants to be a grower. But let's talk about the training programs. Right. Let's talk about building generational wealth. Let's talk about educating our younger, vibrant people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about STEM. Let's talk about real jobs that actually pay. Exactly. Like, you know, I... I've trimmed. I've been in the rooms. I've done it all. I've done every crappy job you can think of in mm-hmm. cannabis. Yep. And I'm thankful for it. Yep. Because every part is important.
0: hmm Well, with that said, um, yeah, we now know what it is that we need to do. We have the email addresses. We have the phone numbers. And, of course, um, if you'd like to review that, you can check the website at uh, CivicCipher.com, uh but for now if you're just tuning in to civic cipher i'm your host ramses Ja. um our guests today are from our arizona uh nydia chad and Asar. um we got about 10 minutes left of the program um and you know you were talking about doug ducey i, I, I would imagine that he holds as far as arizona is concerned final veto power
1: correct so
0: um he was elected to represent all of us not some of us that's right and it is up to all of us to hold him accountable to that charge right all right right. okay so how do we ensure that these multi these 26 multi-million dollar licenses that will generate wealth well into the future mm-hmm. will positively impact Black and Brown communities. How do we appeal to Ducey so that he does the right thing for
2: all of us? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, just say one thing though. Sure. Uh What I want everybody, what I want you guys to think about is how it, what we've been talking about—the disproportionately impacted uh, by the war on drugs. Um, if you're out there, just share your story, start talking about it because right now it's a topic. Um, and share your stories. Um, you can share them with us at our Arizona on Instagram. Um, and let's really start developing a conversation about some of this. I know, you know, I have a, a deep story to tell myself, but every, I don't know anybody who doesn't, you know? Um, so just share your stories, uh, make it be known. You have a voice, um, that's that's really what i wanted to just say real quick
1: you guys can find um all of our information we're on instagram it's our so o-u-r underscore arizona you can find our website we have a petition going around sign it put your information in there put your email in there we'll keep you posted it is www.az or www.ouraz.org um and more importantly we need everybody to step up take a minute of your time call doug ducey leave a voicemail his number 602-542-4331 say it again (laughs) 602-542-4331 and if you you know you don't like to call that's fine i know a lot of millennials like myself i like the phone but a lot of people don't Um, you can go to our Arizona and in our link there is a um, website that will take you directly to Governor Ducey's office and you can write him an email, you can send him a message and voice your concerns. This is your Arizona. This is, you know, the generation and the future, uh, like the future is ours. What you guys decide to put your energy and efforts to matters now. Because this plant, I mean... Whether you smoke it recreationally, whether you like to do it for medicine, whatever that is, this plant feeds, will house, will clothe, and will clean up our earth. Like There's so many uses that cannabis, hemp, will be doing for the future. Absolutely. So let's create ecosystems that can heal, repair, and drive real true change, because that's what matters right now.
2: Yep. And one of the fears that I have And this is why I'm, I really want to make sure That this goes to people who care about the plant Is that if you see what happened To the tobacco industry And how it's killing people mm-hmm. How they put all types of toxic shit And exactly. cigarettes uh, mm-hmm. Or stuff, my apologies um, Don't think that the same thing Can't happen to cannabis It's already happening And it's already happening They're not testing um, You don't know what you're smoking and it's going to start becoming to those conversations where we talked about how we know that cannabis is not addictive. Now all of a sudden it's addictive. People are getting sick. These are the things that we don't want to happen for a plant that has, does not, does not have those properties. Correct. This is a, this is a, this is a plant Correct. that cures. Right. Um, not a plant that causes harm. The only harm that's been caused is by the enforcement of this war on drugs absolutely i mean we're talking about arizona who maybe less than 10 years ago let's talk about maybe 10 12 13 years ago when you where you couldn't be caught with a seed in your car Mm -hmm. oh yeah no right we had some of the toughest laws out here when it came to marijuana Mm -hmm. so i know there's a lot of you out there that had to deal with that and now like i said now's your time to speak up
3: right if you care you have to let them know you exist You have to let them know that you're out there. So make those phone calls, because if you make those phone calls, then they can't imagine you away. They can't say, oh, no, nobody cares about this. We can place a straw man in your place and adjudicate for you and put our own stamp on something that's just going to line our pockets. You have to let them know you're out there so that they have to be responsible to their constituency. You know, um, there's so many things that they have dragged their feet on. They dragged their feet on testing. They, they just implemented yep. testing laws And because they implemented these testing laws In the wrong way There's only three actual testing facilities That can actually test all the flour All the products in all of Arizona And let me tell you As somebody who's been in these dispensaries That's lessening the quality of your products And they're only testing for certain things So other things that they haven't discovered yet nope. You're still getting in your bodies you're So it's it? not Exactly You're not really getting the best quality product since you're not getting the best quality, quality product and they have no incentives to compete to put out a better quality product, that's what you're going to keep on getting. Yo, so if you care about that, you need to let your voice be heard.
1: Yeah. Yo, I have something for you because you're in the industry. Yes. So I like to shop around just to see what different shops do. Right. And every single time I've gone into a shop and I've asked for my COA the products that i've bought in other words my certificate of analysis this is the breakdown of the phytocannabinoids that are being tested in your medicine or your recreational product whatever you want to call it how many shops are actually giving it and more importantly is that batch number on that certificate does it match your product is it fully testing the full panel for metals for arsenic for Uh, contaminants from mold or are you just getting a potency number oh no no we're testing for potency that you see that here i can't tell you how many places have not been able to provide an actual certificate of analysis and this law was just passed forcing cannabis dispensaries november 2020 they barely started forcing them to carry more strict testing on flour
3: right and even though it's actually it's supposed to be implemented businesses will hide the mandates because you have to have something posted in your dispensary that says that we if you want it we have to provide it to you Mm -hmm. but they will hide that they'll like put it someplace where you can't really see it put all the rest of their advertisements up and they'll put things on their shelves until they get busted
1: it's crazy because you go other places and they fool like you go shop in colorado you go shop in cali you go shop uh in nevada first thing that these products have on them full force that you see without even having to ask for a coa it's already tagged on the label Mm. arizona's not stepping up
0: so clearly there's a lot of work to be done um but fortunately it's doable absolutely um so really quick because we got about a minute left one more time let's let everyone know how they can get in contact with you all personally all right and then let's plug the our arizona all right uh again my name is asar
3: last name is roland you can get in contact with me at at ganja guided on instagram
2: i'm chad diggs i don't i don't do social media that's all right Um, (laughs) i'm get you through through our arizona that's okay our arizona that's
1: uh, my name's Nydia. You can find me at our underscore Arizona. My Instagram is absolutely underscore hashed over, OVA. <laughs> um, and more importantly, the last thing I want to leave you all with is now that you know, what are you going to do about it?
0: That is a great question. And the answer is up to you. Uh, once again, want to thank you all for tuning in to Civic Cipher. If you can hit the website, CivicCipher.com uh submit your questions any topics you can make a donation as well you can download this and any other previous episodes if you want to review them and until next week y'all peace